Yo, I do miss wineries, though. Yeah, you were in some of the best uh, best part of the countries for that, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was I didn't even know it. Right, I'm in I'm in college. When I when I go back to grad school, I went to grad school like quick, right after uh, right after I graduated, like eight months. When when you killed my basketball dreams, you I killed uncle, you and my uncle was like, ah, you too smart, don't play basketball. I was like, yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> All right, okay, I'll listen, but. Best decision ever, though. Went back to grad school in the Valley. And I didn't want to be there. But, man, when I got a hold of the, of the wineries, whoo-hoo. You know, I'm still on a college budget, but <laughs> I'm not playing basketball Groupon. as much. Oh, man, Groupon. <laughs> you know, and you you using things by committee. I had great friends. <laughs> I had great friends that was like, yeah, okay. Let's go to this one. Let's go to this one. I'm on name drop. What was what was that? You know I me. Mean? I learned. Uh, I started to learn my palate <laughs> <laughs> when you started talking like that. You sound like a little full, a full blend. You know, you get little red wines and stuff. You know what it was for me? It was the aha moment when I first had my first like uh, cheese platter with the with the wine. <laughs> I was like, yo, this ain't just cheddar and mozzarella. <laughs> Don't forget about the, the good bread, the good cheese, the grapes. Yes. You gotta mix all that, you know. So when you was when you were laughing at me last year, now you know I was I was putting all that. I enjoy <laughs> that. Those 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 moments take me back to a time where I was sitting out, looking over a winery in Switzerland somewhere, and just relaxing, man. Well, I'm gonna get you. We are gonna get a char a charcuterie board, charcuterie board. <laughs> <laughs> I might say we gonna get one. I know what it, I know how to spell it. <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but I know how to spell it. We're going to get that. We're going to get that action going because the weather's good. But you're right, though. That good balance of cheese, grapes, crackers, good bread. And I like the red. I like the reds. I like, I shout out to Uncle for putting me on to the uh, Malbec because he <laughs> played in Argentina. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember the first time he made me go to the store and grab it for him. He said, yo, go get this, exactly this, nothing else. And then he poured me a little yeah. glass. And I was like, okay, and Let's add that to the list. And so, so playing in Argentina and drinking red, he knows all about the some of the best steaks in the world oh, from what? Argentina. That's that's Unk's bag right there. <laughs> that's that's his bag. So, you know that I, I like the Malbecs, good Merlot, Sauvignon Blanc. You know, look at me getting into it. I'm telling you, I miss it. I miss it. But Let's the see. cheese, the cheese was surprising. I was like. Ah, cause you look at it when you when you're a young guy from inner city and things, you look like like yo, why are you so happy about some cheese and crackers? <laughs> cause let me tell you, we went to the store, and Coach went. He was walking around the store, right? <laughs> and some of these stores are kind of it's kind of big, you know, like the grocery stores are like standard Walmart size type things. And he said, "I'm looking for my cranberries." I'm like, yo, what? <laughs> <laughs> I said, what? He said, I'm looking for my dry cranberries. And he's rubbing his fingers together while he's saying it. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it. He he started telling the story. You know how somebody get excited about something? So and they can when they tell you the story, they can like feel the memory. And he telling me, he like, you get the cheese. And he said, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I man. said, okay. Make it right. Make it right, man. Yeah, I ain't mad at you, dog. That ain't that ain't bad though. So it's episode 10, part of our holiday pack, um, Bridging the Gap podcast. I'm here with Ethan, our young intern who's finishing up school and all that good stuff. Shout out to him. 
and then that college grind is is one that feels like it's crazy, but once you're done with it, you'd be like, I'd rather have that. <laughs> Unless you get that right situation until you get there, you're like, ah, I miss it. I miss yep. it. But he's handling like a soldier. I'm here with my OG, you know, JK, aka uh Jules the jeweler. <laughs> you know, Jake, my man, Coach Julian King, OG. I'm Ryan Yates. Um, here bridging the gap podcast here in Dubai, beautiful Dubai, UAE. What's up, OG? How you feeling? I'm good, man. We're coming up on the holiday times, you know, and uh, we winding down with the fall season for training and getting ready for a real fun um, winter break camp. And then we know we get a chance to, you know, relax for a couple weeks before we get back to it. Yeah, and and for this one, this this is part of the holiday pack, right? So. Um, coach, you know, he'll be dipped out somewhere else in an undisclosed location. We'll put that out a little bit later, but this will be coming out over the week while you guys are enjoying the, the holidays and at home. And it'll be a bit longer than the usual podcast as well. Um, but coach, you've been working out too, man. Yeah, I'm I'm doing my thing. I'm trying. Look at that, that elliptical king over there. Yeah. Hey, listen, man, you, for all you older guys out there, you need to get your cardio in, get the elliptical, man. You can you can get your heart rate up without putting it, all the strain and stress on your joints. Look, that's a life hack right there because I'm on it too. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm not a big fan of the treadmill because I'd rather just run outside, especially being somewhere here like Dubai to where it's always um, great rather to run in except for those late summer months. So, but that elliptical, either elliptical or the bike, and it depends on which bike you get right. to, right? right? Cause you got that one bike that you can move with your arms and feet, the one you use before, before uh, games yeah. in between subs. No, I've been seeing you, man. You gonna get that core right? What's up? I'm trying, man. I'm trying, but my work habits, my eating habits, they yeah. ain't coinciding yet. Yeah, it's yeah. it's tough getting those eating habits together. Like when you are an entrepreneur and uh, and like everything on the business is on your side, to where you almost don't have time. And we do a a, a good job pretty well. Like we we handle our business pretty well when it comes to the food. We do make sure. We have some type of balance, but we do slip up. Lord knows. And sometimes it's just because of the schedule. Yeah, and, we, and we slipped up yesterday just because of oh, convenience. Man. But you know what? I, I won't mad at it. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going to tell what I did. I won't mad at it. Yeah. That's one thing being in Dubai has helped me with. Like um, at home, you know, I was, before I left, I was eight months, going on eight to nine months where I hadn't touched um a piece of chicken, a piece of turkey, a piece of red meat, any of those things. I was going, I was getting closer to that. I, Cause I'll say I can't necessarily call myself a pescatarian unless I've done it for two full years at least. Right. But I was moving to that path where I hadn't touched nothing. Cause at home in the States, you know, food is genetically modified. You know, it's, you have fish that's raised in a farm in Alabama somewhere. Like, it's not the same. And you can taste it and you can, and your body can feel it. So I was like, man, I'm not touching it. But you know, you get here, it's a little bit different. You know, it's halal. You know, things are, you know, butchered a certain way, handled a certain way. And you can taste the difference too. And in the, have you noticed the portion size? Yeah. 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 The, 
a lot bigger. Yeah, yeah. The por- the portion size on food is a lot different here, right? Like you might order a large fry here, but it looked like a medium for what we used to at home. Right. And I'm like, man, no wonder we go over everybody over overweight and everything else. Kids ordering that small fry and it's really a large compared to here. Yeah, it's the way we eat at home is 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 completely opposite of the way the rest of the world eats, mm-hmm. even even in terms of fast food, um, you know, and that that comes from with, you know, who you guys serving it and things like that. Over here, you know, a lot of uh, older people, adults are working in those fast food restaurants, yeah. so it's a little different preparation um, yeah. taking place right there, and, um, and you can just you can just taste the difference in everything. You can see the difference in the customer service, the food, yeah. everything. Yeah, every and I remember when we one of our um, and we haven't gotten into the story mode yet because we got a story since we've been here. But one of the first places we went to, we were still trying to figure out, and that surprised us was um, was it Chili's King? I think it was Chili's. Yeah, it was Chili's. And you know, back home, all the chilies and the Fridays. Garbage. Garbage, right? Because it's really some Tyson chicken nuggets that you drop <laughs> in the fryer, right? There's no there's no full kitchen back there. And it come out quick. It is what it is. Because you probably, if you go to Friday, you're going for the happy hour and everything else, right? But we got here, we went to chilies. And I remember the first thing I said, it was a blueberry lemonade I tasted. <laughs> I was like, is this real blueberries at the bottom of this thing? And then they brought out my salmon. And I was like, yo, they really cooked this. Because one, I was like, yo, why is it taking so long? Right, right. But everything here is fully cooked in the kitchen somewhere. Yeah. 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 You get your money's worth here for sure. Yeah. And and I, I give a shout out to other places in, around the world, too. It's the fast food and some of the chain restaurants, a little different than that back home. Yeah, yeah. That's what capitalism do to you. You got to get that next dollar quick. So you got to make something, punch, punch it out there. Because food, feel like like it's a job at home, right? Like you got to make sure you eat. Like it's a part of your schedule to where it's like, you know, it's almost like work, right? Like go get this. Here it's like you eat when you when you need to. You know? And then when you do, it's good. Yeah. That's not bad though. Well, we, um, let's talk a little bit about one of my favorite things. One of my favorite things, because, you know, I do this. I do this well. I like to get under people's skin, you know. It's like, and and part of it is because of, um, like, where you grow up at dictates this, too. Because, you know, you got to you gotta just find an edge. You got to let people know you bad. And you just got to let people know, like, when I'm beating you, I want you to know I'm beating you. you know? <laughs> I want you to understand it, right? But trash talk. It's one of those, it's an art, right? It's an art for sure. But it's also one of those things that's like, it's misunderstood. And for people that's on the outside looking in, they see some guys jawing at each other and all these other different things. They're like, yo, we got to stop this. We can't do this. Like, it's going to cause a fight. But if you're a player, like Coach and I, or you're a guy like Russ, or you're a guy like uh, Gary Payton, or you got like MJ, Kobe, you know, even Gilbert Arenas to a to a smaller scale, like that trash talk right there is something that you love. It like fuels you as a competitor. How you feeling about that, Coach? I, you know, I'm I'm old school. If you if you're out there on the court and and you know you guys are going at it, everybody's playing hard and playing hard. Believe it, believe it or not, everybody, that's fun. Mm-hmm. If 
But if you're out there playing hard and ain't nobody trash talking, that ain't real hooping. I'm sorry. That's yeah. just that's just the way it is. You know. Uh-huh. That means everybody's too nice to each other when they're in between the lines. After the games, you know, you know everybody's cool. And you f- you forget about things, but during when you're in between the lines, you should be going at each other, and you you got to try to find any way you can to get an advantage. Right. If you can get under somebody's skin, and that can get you extra two or three points here and there, force them into a turnover or something. You got to do it, you know. And and plus, you know, somebody's talking a little trash to you, and you know, and, and they may beat you up that day in terms of winning the games, whatever. You know what? That makes you a better player because you're going to come back harder the next time. If you're a real one, right? If some people go fold because I, <laughs> I can smell it. I know when you're not built. I know it, too, because I'm going to run my mouth. My boy hit me the other day. He was listening to one of the earlier episodes of the podcast, and he hit me in a group text. He was like, yo, Yates got to be one of the worst people in the world to lose to. <laughs> I'm just saying, like it, it just happened like that. But it's like as a coach, when you walk into a gym, because I've been in gyms to where, like, a coach may stop guys because they're talking, and you know, it's, when you, when it's ten guys on the court and everybody feeling good, endorphins are high, and it's testosterone there, like. Sometimes people can get a little nervous if their masculinity ain't high. They they ain't there. But do you stop the trash talk? I'm not. It's healthy. Yes. It's healthy. You know, it gets to the point where the physicality gets a little out of hand. Then you might you want to pull back a little bit. But no, I'm I'm letting it go. Because I want everybody on on my team, if I'm the coach, to have an edge. Because if somebody's talking trash to you. I'm expecting you to do one of two things, either say something back yeah. or either go at them. Right, right. You know, but I prefer you do all, you do both of them. <laughs> yeah, so. same time, right? You so. got to compete, man. I remember, like, and I'll let you get into this. After. I remember when I was, where that trash talk was birthed at, <laughs> you know, because I was always right across the street from my house in Alexandria, Virginia, was a, was a basketball court. Like, literally, like, I run across the street, jaywalking, of course, never used the crosswalk. <laughs> run across there with my basketball. And I remember the first basketball I got was an all-black basketball with MJ face on it. That's <laughs> about my mind. I was young. Ended up losing it and rolling the street or something. But I would go over there every day and just play, right? But I had to go over there real early on Saturdays because on Saturdays at a certain time, all the old heads would come in there deep. And I was still too young and too small to get on the court. But I'm sitting there watching, and they talking cash trash to each other. I'm talking about, you know, you can't guard me. And holding the ball with the person guarding him, he pointing to the, his girlfriend on the baseline. <laughs> like, he telling everybody, don't bet on him. And I'm just watching. I'm like, yo, like, this is that bravado, that dance. And from then on, I was just like, man, when I get right, I'm doing it. I remember we were like 12 years old, 9, 10, 11, and we playing against each other in 21, and all of us just talking trash to each other. And now that I think about it, I'm like, yo, we were babies. (laughs) (laughs) Babies just going after it. And it never stopped from there. You know, what do you think, if you think back to some of your best moments in playing this game, Mm-hmm. They involve trash talking. Yeah, they're some yeah. of your best moments. Whether whether you were on the on the right side of that, yeah, or the bad side of that, yeah. But but these are moments that you you remember and and 
it fuels you to come into the next, you know, next game or whatever situation you're in, one on one, two on three or whatever, two on two, three on three, and saying, I don't want to hear that anymore. Word. I need to be that guy Word. that's popping trash. And you know, there's different type of trash talkers too. Yeah. All right, there's ones like like a KG who yeah. get disrespectful. <laughs> at times. <laughs> and get sure. disrespectful at times. You know what I'm saying? Then there's other guys that are like silent with it that just, you know, whispering to you like, you know you can't handle this. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like a coach. Or or it's the guys that can get you with all, all around. Like MJ. Yeah. MJ getting you all around. What type of trash talker were you, though? Ooh, it depends on which 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 part of my career I was <laughs> in. Right, let's, let's say high school. Let's say, let's say high school. Because you do evolve as a trash talker just like you evolve as a hooper. High school, I talked, I talked a lot of trash. That's but I had I had a lot of bounce. Mm. A lot of bounce. So, you know, you got bounce and you, you know, you have moments where you're catching four or five off the rim a game. Mm. You could talk a lot of trash, you know, and then uh, you yeah. predict things yeah, that are gonna yeah, happen. Yeah. Um, as I progressed to college, not so much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there were certain guys that were gonna be future lottery picks that were far ahead of me in terms of uh, not only just athleticism and, and strength, but just knowledge of the game. And uh, I, I, after my first pickup game at Temple. I learned that let me shut up and let me just put some, <laughs> let me just put some work in because uh, I, I think I started off our very first pickup game. I hit like three or four threes every time I touched my hand. I let it go, bang, 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 bang. And then I'll never forget Eddie Jones was like, you won't score another basket today. <laughs> and, you know, I'm walking down the court and I said, you must be crazy. You ain't, you, ain't looking, you ain't looking at my resume. Shit. Three or four games later, I hadn't scored another <laughs> basket. So, you know, I kind of, you know, calmed it down a little bit until I started to get myself together. And I made sure I was strategic in terms of who I talked to. You know, right, you right. wake up the, the dragon, so to speak. So, you know, it just depends where you were at, at that point in time, you know, you was playing. That's funny, too, because I was just watching um, my little bro sent me something on Instagram talking about, um, it was a clip of Kobe. You know, I always find a way to bring it up. But Kobe was talking about how his first time playing against MJ, one of his teammates was like, yo, let me give you a tip. He said, don't look him in his eyes. <laughs> and, and Kobe was like, what? He said, Kobe told Kobe told his guy, he said, I don't think you understand that I'm that same beast, really? right? But I let you know that you do. some people do pick and choose who for they sure. talk to, right? For sure. Because that can be fuel for the fire. It, it, we talk about MJ. And I know there's a debate on who's the best. We know we'll get into that a little, little yeah. bit later. But I can legitimately say the guys that I knew that played with him and against him and just me watching him and, and idolizing him, there were other all-stars that feared him. Yeah, yeah. Like bigger guys, seven-footers, uh -huh. feared MJ. Yeah. So I... I definitely get it, but you know, but Kobe's a different animal. Yeah, you talk your talk your talk. Cause I, I was just watching the clips always popping up, but like that uh that dream team practice, you know, it was crazy. Magic, magic barking, Charles barking, all of them barking, some of them quiet, quiet. <laughs> some of them ain't saying much. But you told me a, a story the other day in the car. 
It was about um, when you guys got the chance to play. I don't know if it was a Fab Five year or after um, Chris Webber had left early, but you were talking about um, Jalen Rose, right? Because <laughs> yeah. we were saying it was was crazy right now is watching some of you old heads go from bald or, or on your way to losing all your hair, and then you come back with a full set. I'm talking about you deep sea diving, heavy waves on your head, shape up, jet clay, black, jet and black. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm calling some of y'all out. Like, don't don't come back at age forty. You jet black. You're talking about it's natural. Yeah. Stop. Yeah, you got the money to pay for the cosmetics. That's fine, but just don't just don't deny it, man. You got jet black hair, three sixties popping. You got your same hairline that you had when you were seventeen. Stop it. But no, though, look, you told me Jalen Rose got a hairline he didn't even have when he was yeah, 17. Yeah, man, like, anybody that watched the Fab Five when they was in college, he, he was in Michigan, what, for three years? Yeah. He didn't have a hairline like that. No, he, he had the he had the close. Yes. He had a close to number one, <laughs> a shadow joint where you can still see a speckle of the, of the hairline. And that was on a bad night. But normally, <laughs> they kept it bald. He kept it shiny. Stop, man. But you said he was at the free throw line, and they was, it was talking trash. Y'all, it was a Temple versus Michigan, right? Yeah. He said they were talking trash. What were they talking about? You know, you know, you got Aaron McKee, Eddie Jones, you know, talking trash back and forth to Chris Webber and Jalen Rose, Jawan Howard. You know, future NBA players talking trash to each other. And I just remember being at the foul line and hearing Jalen Rose say, Man, look at their shoes. You know, and, and I just happened to look down like, dang, what you talking about? We got the new Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Y'all got that. You got that. You know, because Michigan's everybody knew back then Michigan's Nike deal was a little different than everybody else, you know. And yeah. so, you know, yeah. it is what it is. They they were trendsetters. We all right, know that. Right. Shout out to Nike, man. Nike, we we got something out here in the Middle East. We brew it up. <laughs> Whoever's out there, the powers that be, we're gonna come knock on the door. So, you know, we got some things. But that's that's big time though. For me, trash talk, man. And I think uh one of the one of the cooler things that I've noticed in my like um what do I call it? My life cycle as a hooper. That's what I'm gonna address as life cycle. Even as a youngin. My coaches used to talk crazy trash, right? <laughs> Whether this was right or not, we might have been like 11, 12 playing AAU. I know for a fact my coaches was betting <laughs> on a game against the other side and just talking trash. I matter of fact, I remember, um, and this is one thing that I did like because <clears throat> it just showed a, a bit of competitiveness too, right? Because you can't teach people to be competitors. I remember my sophomore year, Going going into my sophomore year, it was a sophomore summer in, in high school, and we were traveling for a um, summer league game, and we were playing in Maryland. And we don't have time today to, to get into the dynamics of D.C., Maryland, and Northern Virginia, and, and that basketball dichotomy. Like, that's that's a whole different story. Um, but we were traveling to Maryland. We went to a school called Wise, and we were playing, and we were playing against um, – Grim Park, right? And little did I know the assistant coach over there was your guy. That's my guy, that's Brian your, Brennan. Yeah, that's your guy over there. Shout but out to B. Coach Thomas went up, was out there with us. And, you know, for Virginia, your head coach can't coach you in the summer league, but everywhere else they can. So we're playing against this team. 
And, you know, they they talking cash, talking <laughs> trash. I'm talking about going crazy. B, you know, B, B just say what's on his mind because he don't care. We ended up beating them, right? But after the game, Coach Thomas and B going at it. And Coach Thomas was like, we smacked y'all right here. You come back across the bridge, we'll smack you again. It don't <laughs> matter. And I'm sitting there looking to the side like, yeah, I like that. I like that. That's that's good love. Will your coach can get into it? You ever had moments like that with Chaney? Yeah, several. <laughs> Dude, several. You know, one of the one of the all time moments that he had um, was him and Calipari. <laughs> and if everybody, if you haven't seen that, you, you're not a true fan of basketball. You know what's funny, King? I think I saw you in there. I was because it was they had that thirty for thirty with uh, with Calipari, yes. and I remember watching it, and I was like, "Yo, is that King in the corner?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes. Talk about that. You know, you talk about a coach getting into it. Coach wasn't a guy that was just gonna. You can say something to him, and he just brush it off. He took everything personally because he put so much into the game, so much into his kids. And that, um, you know, whenever he felt as though he was being wronged, he's going to speak up. That's just him, you know. But that's the old school coaches, the old school black coaches back then. Mm-hmm. Him, Coach Tom, him, uh, John Thompson, yeah. you know, uh, what's my guy at Arkansas? Uh, uh, Nolan, Nolan Richardson. Richardson. You know, those guys stood up for a lot of uh, injustices and things like that in terms of, you know, what was going on in society. And and so Coach, you know, he put a lot into the game and he just expected the same type of energy coming back towards him. And, uh, you know, it was a night. I, I'm i sure that we got smacked. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, some questionable calls here and there. And and Calipari was young and up and coming then and <laughs> very arrogant, because yeah. you can see that now, and rightfully so, because he, he had a good yeah. mob. And uh, he said a couple of things that rubbed Coach the wrong way in the, <laughs> in the post game. Right. And Coach approached him. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. Approached him like, and, you know, and he Coach is a little guy, a little point guard from back yeah. in the day, but you know he's feisty. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, so uh, yeah. when he went at him, I, if I'm not mistaken, Al Sh- Al Schreier was um, uh, a basketball guy back then, and he came into the locker room and said, "Yo." Coach has gone ham. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we we, we need some restraints in here. <laughs> and so um, Cats ran out there and um, the, was trying to grab Coach. And, you know, thank God we got to him beforehand because right. he, he would have put his hands on that man, <laughs> you know. And yeah. they're, they're good friends to this day. Yeah. But, you know, in the heat of the moment, you know how it goes. It's different. Yeah. yeah. That's on the battle side. Man, I love talking trash. And the one thing about talking trash, and we talk about those type of trash talkers, you got ones that like tra- talking trash will like add another fire to their game. It's like they're even more engaged to another another space. Then you got the ones who just talk and they like oblivious. Like they don't even really understand that they suck. Right. They just talking and just talking and they be like, yo, do you understand that you say these things they did nothing? They might go 0 for 10. They made one move, one good pass, and now they one of those front runners talking trash. It can go one of two ways, though. That same person could be that person that is doing whatever they can to stay relevant. Because mm. I might be losing on this battle, mm. but I'm doing something here to be in the spotlight. Mm. 
The second part could be somebody that's super confident in themselves. See, look, that first part is something I'm unfamiliar with. If you if you torture me, I'm <clears throat> let me get a couple stops first. <laughs> let me get let me get my act together because I've had and I do like those people that talk trash whether they up or down. Like Dame is that way, right? Dame was like, I got the same face the whole time, but you know you're gonna get this, right? You know, I remember a couple times I've. And I still do it to this day. But I remember some times where in like high school was even in college too, it would be some people that I was cool with. I know that they were friends, right? Shout out to Max Lennox. Max. I remember I remember playing Max in high school and we were playing and we were at the free throw line and Max was just frustrated. Cause he couldn't he could you know a lot of teams beforehand <laughs> they could score a lot on us, but they they might average 25 against other teams against us. They might only get 17. So Max was having a rough night. And Max <laughs> probably just came off 35. I said, the free throw line, I was like, Max, when I get this, I'm going to come down, I'm going to pull up for a trade, and I'm going to hit it. Came down, pulled up for the trade ball, hit it. Then we got a steal the next play. <laughs> my guy Billy dunked on the old boy and got a tech for hanging on the rim and pointing at him. <laughs> pointing at him. But, but that's the two differences of, of trash talk, right? For me, I was next to him on the free throw line. I was whispering him to, to him so he could know. Billy, on the other hand, wanted to dunk, hang on the rim, turn around and point like he was in above the rim <laughs> or something like oh Blue Street. Well, I mean, I'm not Blue Street. Uh, what's my what's my what's my movie, man? It's just because I messed it up with Shaq and Penny. Blue chips. Blue chips. There we go. Blue chips. Yes. But, but that's the difference in you and Billy. Shout out to Billy Roller. Yeah, that's my, I, that's guy. my guy. I love Wherever you are in the world, you we know. love you, man. But, you know, the trash talking that you might have had with, with Max, that goes way back. That goes back to summertime when um, all the, the better players in the area would come to TC and hoop. Mm -hmm. And that's when you really get it in. So mm -hmm. that way... Even if we smack y'all during the regular season, just because we have a better team, now you get a chance to redeem yourself. And right. Max always held his own and had the respect of everybody. Yeah. So you guys are talking trash, and it's a situation where you're talking trash, you can back it up. Yeah. And that's, you're and used that's to it. Yeah, that's important. You're I, used to it. I walked that walk before. Right. <laughs> right. You're used to it. It's something that you do on a regular basis. Billy at that time, yeah. he was just transferring in. It was his third school. Yeah. And, you know, he was looking for the limelight because he had never really been in that spot before. He did some new swag. And so, you know, and, and we were a high-profile team at the time. So he was going to take advantage yeah. of it. You know, he's riding it. But you know what's, what the best trash talk is in the summertime? When those open gyms, when you don't have a name on your jersey, you just walk in what it is. Because for me, I, will, I don't want to make it seem like, I don't like bullies, right? So I don't like a guy who just going to pick on somebody that he know not going to give him no bump, <laughs> right? Like I always had a little edge, a little chip on my shoulder too, to where when the summertime, I was always in the gym with, with the old heads, you know, like um, some, of, some of our local legends back in Alexandria, like Glenn Andrews, you know, Marcus Lemon. Um, aka Squeeze, uh, T Mac, Tracy Stanton. Ooh, T Mac. Um, yeah, you know, T Mac could, could boogie. He could boogie. You know, you got Walt and Mike Davis. Um, and even some of the older guys like Jason Ingram and, and, and Justin Moore, they would get in the gym and stuff with us. And then they, and everybody got friends from Maryland, DC to where we all get in the gym. 
And that trash talk and Wimbush, that trash talk, trash, uh, that trash talk is everybody. Like if I'm, because when you get when you grow up with people, <laughs> and then you finally get to a certain at a certain age, all of us grow now, right? So now it's like, nah, I'm not a little bro no more. <laughs> this this ain't that no more. You come get this action too. It's different, you know. <laughs> and though, that used to be the fun part of it too. I used to be like, I can't wait to say something. I can't wait. No. Those are some um, those are some good times when all the the older guys yeah. would come back and play. That's when TC was TC. Yeah, you and know, Alexandria itself. Yeah, that, that was just in the, in the roots of it. And and for any any high school coaches out there listening, not saying that you got to follow a path that that I had or Ivan Thomas had or anything like that, but open up your gym, man. Oh man, let let whoever can who come in and hoop, man. That's that's. That's the essence of high school basketball. You got to have the guys who want to play, that can play in the gym, no matter what school they come from. Man, that was that was profound. Open up the gym, coach. Like, man, with gentrification and so many other things going around in the um, in the DMV area, a lot of those things get misplaced. Right. Like people don't really understand how important that extra gym time is. Like open that gym so those guys can come in and galvanize and do something productive and just get away from things and hoop. Like that's different. I think that's that's part of what we're going to that is what we're going to do here as far as building a culture. Bump and run. What helped what helped us is in sixth, not even sixth grade, in eighth grade, when I was watching Marcus Lemons, Tracy Stanton, and all those guys kill it at TC and varsity when Coach Thomas first came. I was also able to go to open gym and see them play, right? While I was in middle school, I was able to see those high schoolers play in open gym because we'll have our open gym there and little things. So I grew up into that. So when I'm a big dog now and there's other guys coming between, coming up from behind it, whether it's Rick or it's Daquan or it's whoever else, now they've already been watching and they just follow right into place. And then there's some guys that, that watch them and then they get into place and grow up. Like that's how you keep a culture going and you grow something. Like open up the gym first and foremost. Open the gym. It's just, sometimes it's just that simple, right? right. <laughs> Let's turn on the lights, roll the ball out there and let them take care of itself. Cause you know what they say? They say these kids, they don't play enough. If they don't, you know, they don't play enough on their own. Yeah. Everything's organized, you know, two or three referees, a sanctioned event, AC gym. No, sometimes, you know, get with your friends or, or other guys around your area that hoop and go somewhere and, and, and organize your own games. Right. You know, get it in that way. That's, that's how you get better. Yeah, yeah. And having that, man, a coach, a coach opening a gym. Cause I think one of the coaches that does do that back home, at least the last time I heard is Los from Hayfield. Mm-hmm. Like he opens up, of course, Bentley at Wakefield. Yep. Bentley always, Bentley was crazy was when I went back home, Bentley was one of the coaches that let me get in the gym and work out at uh, Wakefield at the yep. new one. Right. I was in there playing open gym with his old, with his alumni. And his guys, because of course he knows I get my guys better because I can't be in the gym with them much, but I get them better with having the George Johnsons, all them other guys in the gym with them early because they going, it's kind of like, um, and probably in colleges we see this even more to where like your seniors have a different level of leadership because they've been in the program so long. So when they graduate and then they come back, they come back and they're like another coach to an extent. Right. Where they're like, look, coach not going for this. 
And, you know, having as many voices around championing the same thing that you were saying just leads to more progression. And and for the guys who may be on the fence in terms of getting into the rotation and whatnot, these older guys can help you navigate that and, you know, further your progression, you know. And so it's always important to let your – older guys come back and play let your younger guys even if they are a little younger for your team let them come in and get a little bump too if you remember back in the day we'd have three courts going mm-hmm. eighth grade freshman guys over here middle court jv guys other you know other court in the middle the main court you guys mm-hmm. the older guys in the varsity um you know and that's what you do you got to open the gym let them rock we used to be in there saturday mornings Starting at like 9 a.m., we've been there to like 3, yeah. 4 in the evening. Full work day. You know what's funny is we're doing that now. All right, you think about, um, you know, the two young guys we have that come from Jumeirah. They're like 12. They'll make they'll hit, they'll hit hit me with a basketball saying, Coach, I turned 13 in four months. Right? <laughs> they're 12, but they're playing with 18-year-olds. They're playing with us. We have them out there. Two young ladies that we have, they're about 13 and 12 as well, out there playing with those 18, those older people. And one of the bigger things, too, is that um, people don't realize that a lot of basketball is confidence. Of course, you got to have the skills and all those things, but you can work on those things all the time and not be confident enough to actually put them to work, right? So when you throw a 13-year-old there, 13-year-old out there in the middle of a, a game with a bunch of 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, and they hold their own, man, that probably, that does wonders for what they think the rest of their life to where it's like, okay, everybody's just another person, yep. right? I just got to believe in myself going forward. And all that mixing up the ages and things helps with that. You don't get better if you don't play against better people. Absolutely. That's bottom line. Absolutely. You, know? you need that anchor. You need that anchor. Um, <clears throat> speaking of better people, it's a conversation. Um, and this is one of those conversations that, like, we don't want to, um, like, create, like, no buzzword title trying to get some traction or something. But we're going to come with this conversation with some real insight you know what I'm saying? Some things to truly think about in terms of this, but because everybody talks about it, like right? who's the greatest basketball player of all time, right? Who's the GOAT? And everybody, for the most part, is a consensus that it's MJ. You know, there's, there are a few people that have conflicting opinions, but Coach and I, you and I had an interesting conversation. And you know, we could think we think basketball on a different level, but that's the whole point of us being here, right? Talk yep. about it. But, you know, for me, I always argue and fight for Kobe, right? That's just the way it is, a little bit biased. But I can be unbiased and I do understand the the greatness of MJ. But is it if we really think about the being the greatest being the greatest basketball player of all time, right? Are there some other people who have stronger arguments? Being 47 and and growing up watching WGN (laughs) all the time and and watching the Bulls and idolizing Mike, Mike is my pick with my heart. Mm -hmm. But as I've gotten older and and, and I've, I've, you know, been able to look at certain things from a different perspective, I'm not upset when 
my old heads might mention Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Wilt Chamberlain um, and even Bill Russell. Because when you start talking about the best players of all time or the best player of all time, there's so many different lanes we can go down. And what we tend to do now is we go at the most popular thing. Yes. And MJ is the most popular person right now. And he's a living legend. These other guys, they played in a time where not everything was recorded. Not everything was was video videotaped, and so we don't have f- definitive footage of them of their every moment of every highlight. We don't have a, a Netflix documentary, correct? <laughs> but we have enough of hearsay from the other greats that are still relevant, whether it be in you know office management or coaching teams or whatever, and talk about these guys. And if you were to mention to me, Jordan, Kareem, or Will Chamberlain, I'm not mad at you because they were all three dominant in their own right. And depending on how you want to look at it, they all could be the GOAT. But, but, but <clears throat> we talked, right? Because I want you to really get into this because this is a perspective that I hadn't really put into play because I'm going to tell you the truth, uh, honest truth, right? And I may not speak for all of my generation, but I speak for enough of us. We don't believe anything about Will. Will is a myth. Will is a legend. <laughs> y'all can say whatever y'all want to say about Will. <laughs> Will just it doesn't make sense. Because from what we've been told about Will, nobody has come even anywhere near his dominance, his legend on the court, off the court. Nobody has come anywhere close to that. Anyway, first of all, is it real? And if it is, like... How can we not put it put him as a go? And then talk about more of his, his situation because we've talked about in earlier podcasts how um, you know your organization, your team does dictate a lot about where you stand in the all time greats because it you know victories, championships, right? And so Will only has one, right? Uh, Will may have two. I'm not yeah, sure. I got to look. Ethan, you got to look that up. You know, you're our stats guy. Yeah. So, but but talk about Will as a player. From what you know is true and what you know that some people that you were around saw. Well, you know, we're going to talk about Coach Jones, somebody you know intimately. Yes, yes. Um, Very respected. Whatever Coach is saying, I believe. Coach Jones, older guy, very successful in his own right in terms of being a um, a high school player. Let me just give – let me give – I think I may have mentioned this before. Let me say something about Coach Jones real quick. Coach Jones is one of the few people I've ever met – that has won a state championship every year of high school. Yeah, he won like 11, right? <laughs> he won four in four, high school. Four in high school. He won two as a coach, as a head coach, one as an assistant coach, and he won a high school football championship. Yeah. He's a bad man yeah. in the DMV area. You yeah. know, and, and we definitely got to give him respect. Yeah, um, co- coach, do. coach different. Coach, coach like the godfather. Yeah. Like, he don't say a word. But if if you <laughs> you piss him, if you if you just irk him a little bit, he'll make sure you feel that thunder, and you won't ever forget. It. You won't ever forget. It. He'll he won't say a lot until he needs to, but when he says it, you'll never forget it. That's for sure. I still remember to this day. I wasn't. Um, I was standing on top of the three point line, 
right? <laughs> I was on the three-point line waiting for the, for the swing. So when I catch it and I step into the shot, I'm either my toes are on the line or I'm standing in, um, in front of it, so I'm shooting a long two. And I, I don't know how many times – I'm like a junior and senior. I don't know how many times somebody has said something to it, but he stopped practice and he cursed me out, pulled me back. And said, you want to be a scorer? Use some choice language. <laughs> so this is what you're supposed to do. And never again, never in my life have I ever told the line. <laughs> I made sure I remembered that speech. Yeah, no that point sure. in and taking it too. And I teach it. Yeah. And I teach it. But but for Wilt, like, because he did win in 60, is it 67 and 72? Yeah. So he, he won, won two. And we don't really talk about his championship wins. Yeah. Like, we kind of disregard him because right. it just sounds like mystical. But this is the this is stuff that irks the older guys, um, like myself, but even more so the guys older than me. It doesn't matter how many championships you won. You can still be the baddest cat to ever play mm-hmm. and not win a championship because we all know a lot of you winning your championship is based on your organization, based on how you guys draft, how you develop players, how you bring people in as free agents, who your coach is. It's a lot involved with that. And what people don't understand is we'll – owned over 53 individual categories in the NBA. Just think about that. He owned those. And those are things that, you know, people talk about dominance. Shaq was dominant for sure. He ain't dominate like this. Yeah. You know, you talk about a seven-footer lead the league in assists one year just because he felt he had to prove to everybody that he could do other do other things than score and block shots. He was a three-star athlete in college. You know, so man, coach, it, man. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, just look at his little stuff. Like he people don't know this. He averaged the most minutes per game one year. And if I'm not mistaken, I want to say he played 47 minutes a game. Man, listen, first of all, I'm looking we're looking at this list of records that he holds. And <laughs> the only other people whose name I see on there is Kobe and MJ, but that's a whole nother thing. But he NBA record for most points in a game in a season, fifty point four. <laughs> and then he also holds the next three spots with forty four point eight, thirty was it thirty eight point four, thirty seven point six. Crazy. Most points in a season. Where he scored four thousand in a season, and you know you can like prorate all those things and see what it would be like in an eighty-two game, and of course, a hundred points in a game, still unbelievable. The most points scored in a half, where he scored fifty-nine <laughs> in the second half, most fifty-point games in the season at forty-five, and then he has the next most at thirty, most forty-point games in a season. Most At 63. 60-point games, 32. Most, yeah, he got, he got 32 60-point games. Kobe is the next one with six. <laughs> the most career regular season 50-point games, 118. MJ is next with 31. All right, most career regular season 40-point games with 271. And MJ is there with 173. The list just keeps going on. Most consecutive 60-point games with four. And then he holds the next three longest streaks, right? Then it's just a continuous list of things, right? Um, I mean, you, you can't be a rookie and average 37.6. I don't man. care. People talk about 
who you played or whatever, you come in as a rookie and average 37.6. And all of these things are like, these are old. And from, I saw a video saying how the NBA to a certain extent, after maybe anything before 1992, they weren't really showing highlights of it okay. or they weren't trying to show too much of that game because they wanted to, you know, focus on what moved forward. But Man, has it? Has, people might have been doing us a disservice. So we really don't. We really don't put Wilt in that talk enough. And I don't see anything. And these are records that are kept after the fact. Because I'm, I'm mistaken. You weren't. People weren't keeping stats for the first half of his career. Right. Him and him and Kareem. Him right? and Kareem. Like a lot of stats weren't kept before like 1973. Um, the one thing everybody needs to look at that the, the list just keeps yeah, going. It's on a long on. list. It's a long. We don't have video yet, but we'll have video coming soon, and you'll see. People have to stop equating the best player with how many championships you have, yeah. because he had two championships. But other times when he was unsuccessful, he was going up against the mighty, probably the best franchise before the Lakers recently in NBA history. Yeah, the Celtics were crazy. Bill Russell and company. So for those of you that don't know who was beating Wilt all these times, it was Bill Russell, another guy who's considered a potential top 10 player, but he played along other guys that are top 60, top 70, and they won 11 championships. And Wilt was was crazy. So Wilt's supposed to lose, but that's not to say he wasn't the best player. Individually, yeah. Because we, as we always say, your success as a team has to do with your team, your coaches, your management, your organization, everything as a whole. Like it has to be cohesive, man. That's but just looking at those things is nuts. And then we that's then we don't even talk about Kareem. I mean, the captain, captain. You talk about Kareem, and you started high school, the legend. Coming out of New York, mm-hmm. lost Power Memorial, lost one high school game. That was to the legendary DeMatha right. and Morgan Wooten. And he goes on to college, can't play as a freshman because freshmen weren't allowed to play then. But his freshman team beat Bill Walton's team, who was the senior captain at UCLA. So that goes to show you how, how good he was, how dominant he was. And if I'm not mistaken, his UCLA team for those three years didn't, I think they only lost one game. And then he goes to the NBA and begins a 20-year reign of dominance. And he wins a championship in Milwaukee, but yeah. we all know what happens when you get a chance to leave Milwaukee. Yep. And, you leave and, Milwaukee. And he left, I mean not left, he won with a GOAT. Right. One of the greatest ever to play his position and his impact. The big O. Big O. Right, right. And then like like you said, Milwaukee, everywhere else. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just it's nothing against Milwaukee because I got my godson's father's from Milwaukee. One of my yeah. other good friends from Milwaukee. Yeah. But let's think. Chaz though, he don't want to be from Milwaukee. De- <laughs> December in Milwaukee or December in LA. What? You make the decision. Man, so. any month in LA compared to <laughs> Wisconsin. What, what TI say? I mean not TI T Payne, Wisconsin. <laughs> Sounds crazy. But yeah. Kareem, I don't know. Was I hearing this correct, Coach? Was Dunking banned? Yes. 
dunking was such an effective part of his game that they had to ban it. And so, but then he came up with the skyhook, which is probably the most unguardable move ever in the history of the NBA. Yeah, and it was banned for 10 years, right? It, in the NCAA. In the NCAA, it was right. banned. And he came up with the skyhook. Like, that type of, that level of, of dominance was, like, it's crazy because they were saying it's not a basketball skill and all those other different things. Um, scroll down a little bit more. What are you pointing to, Coach? I wanted to see where it was talking about somebody made a quote about dunking is not a skill. Yeah, like that. that's the article you just had up. All right. So, like, just, just thinking about that. And that's the type of thing that's interesting, right? Like, it, it forced him to create something completely different. That's a level of greatness that you can't hide. Let, let me quote, let me read this quote. Dunking does not display basketball skill, only height advantage. And that's from the legendary coach from Kansas, Fog Allen. Well, that was a time when not everybody could get above the rim. You know, Dunking not, is a skill, ladies not, and gentlemen. Listen, I ain't going to say too much, but, you know, there's some real difference in the players that were at Kansas and then, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar yes. Yes. <laughs> at UCLA. I will say, well, you know the obvious, you know, you know who can't duck, who has those struggles more than anybody else. Everything that you can do on the basketball court, there's someone out there that can do it a little bit better. Absolutely. So it is a skill. So it is something that you have to work on. Because believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, Vince Carter's considered probably the best dunker of all time. <laughs> but what does Vince talk about? He practices dunks. Because that's an art, that's man. That's an art form. Moving your body, doing certain things. Like, that's not easy. That's something you really got to focus in on. But So we got to an argument. Because I was sitting there thinking, like, Man, how how is Wilt not the the goat? You know, and to a certain extent, before before MJ, guards never got put in that conversation, right? It was always a big to an extent. The, probably the closest guy was probably the Doc. Yeah, Doc J. But I, here's the main reason why Shaq, Wilt. Kareem, even Elijah will never be put in that category. You don't shoot three. The conversation. It's not sexy. Mm. MJ, you know, guys, you think about it. He's sleek. Yeah. He's fast. He's he got quick. The ball, he got the baldy in the hoop area. You know, <laughs> it just looks different. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that you watch. And you talked about Dunkey being art form. Everything that the top guys did was in art form. It's, it's, it's poetry in motion. You know, you think of who's the best point guard in, the, in history? Probably Magic, right? Mm. Because of his a combination of charisma size, and all that. charisma, floor game, and things like that. But they don't talk about him being the greatest of all time because his game wasn't sexy all yeah. the time. It was effective, yeah. but he wasn't like – he didn't handle the ball like Kyrie. I don't remember – correct me if I – I don't remember seeing any highlight ever – of of uh, Magic shooting a jumper, <laughs> not one jumper. I've, I've seen some, but Ben Simmons action. But at least he at least he, he at least shoot it. He, no, no Magic would shoot him for sure. Magic at least shoot him. He would shoot him for he, he wasn't Ben Simmons. Now. That's not. <laughs> that's not even I'm sorry, Magic. Yeah, don't do that. I, yeah, oh. I, I know better. But yeah, it's you know the big guys just don't they don't get the same love because people expect them to. Be dominant, not realizing that they got to work at it too. Hold on, though. I I do think Wilt, rest in peace, 
will, will have something to say about you saying him not being sexy. Will on the, <laughs> will, on the will, court, will, will my will, bad. Will might say, look, my game was sexy, and I got the proof. My game was sexy, man. It was beautiful to watch. But again, I don't think I don't think we see enough because I I saw it was and maybe it was you know animation and video stuff so crazy. Maybe it was Photoshop, but I was seeing video clips that I'd never seen before of him doing you know fadeaways with the one leg up fade fadeaway that we've given um Dirk all the credit for for mastering but if Will was doing that in the 60s and 70s man <laughs> but man again but what does it all come down to yeah who said it yeah. who can see it you know that's the difference you know th- listen there isn't anything being done in the game today mm-hmm. that wasn't done beforehand the only difference was they had more constraints back then because the coaching philosophy was different. Right. You know, we talked about right. a guy that we highlighted before in one of our blogs, Kenny Anderson. Yes. Nobody came out of New York with more handle than Kenny A, but the game was played a little differently back then. Right. You know, he went to Georgia Tech, played with Lethal Weapon 3, and Bobby Crimmins understood that you got to let Kenny be Kenny sometimes. Yeah. You know, but he got to the league and went to the Nets. They wouldn't let him loose. That wrong first. organization. Wrong organization. Yeah. But that that's that's another thing. So when you talk about it, like, if you got to give your honest opinion, and, you know, nobody ever has a right um, answer for this because it's subjective. It's just who you think in particular. But is, is MJ really the greatest to ever play basketball? When you talk about what Kareem did and you talk about what – Wilt did, and you know you can you can throw Bill Russell in there because of the championship, that level of dominance. But like you said earlier, it's just about individual players because he had a great team, great organization. But when you look at Kareem and you look at at Wilt, some of those things will never be. It's individual things. Like nobody can recreate the sky hook right. and score the most points in NBA history right. and still have it be standing. Right. The- the reason why I've always put MJ ahead of everybody is a little bit of bias because I watched him fail and work hard to succeed. And what I mean by that is he came into the Chicago Bulls, a terrible organization at the time. Shout out to George Gervin, Iceman. He did one of his last years there when Jordan was a rookie. That's a trivia right there. If you can, <laughs> if you can find an a, a Iceman Bulls jersey, I got a hundred dollars for you <laughs> and I watched MJ go through that those failures and I watched him come back every year and add something to his game and he it almost got to the point where there wasn't a weakness whatsoever in his game and to be to change the game where it wasn't a big man dominating the game was appealing to everybody and it was appealing to me because we had never seen a guard dominate the league like that offensively and defensively, even though the big O had come before him. You know, MJ was a player from I can't remember which year it was MVP and defensive player of the year. Yeah. And, yeah. and he generally had other all time greats really nervous or anxious to play him. Yeah. So he struck fear in people. But I, 
I mean, isn't it safe to assume that Kareem and Wilt did the same thing? Well, even though you didn't see it, I, like you said, Wilt had to battle against the Celtics. Right. Just to get those two right. out of that 11 run that they had, he had to battle to get those two, right? Like, <laughs> right. think about how tough that was. Like, is it safe to assume that he did the thing, same thing? And then Kareem won one in Milwaukee. Right. Milwaukee, as an organization, has has died. Since he left, right? right? Like he left and it ain't been the same since. And they're all, they're in that same space now to where if if the Greek leaves, it's gonna be another 35, 40 years before they're anything. Like those guys that same thing. Shout out to Ray Allen, Big Dog, and Sam So They oh. had a little they had a little peak. Sidney Moncrief and those guys. They had some runs. It was cute. Some- <laughs> <laughs> it was cute. But you was there, yeah, I was still fighting for something. Right. And Ray was a bad dude. When he first came out of UConn, that's another conversation. But, but isn't it safe to assume that those guys have the same type of battles? Sure, sure. It, it's just, again, we expect more out of somebody taller. You yeah. see a kid now that walks in the gym, he's, he's 12 years old, but he's the size of a 14, 15-year-old. Yeah, you expect him dominant. We don't give him the same leeway as we would a kid who's the same age but a little shorter than him. Okay. So that's that's how it goes a little bit, you know. So that's why, again, for me, any one of those three can be the GOAT. I don't have, I don't have a problem with it. So when you talk about that argument, right, because I think that's a lot of the argument we have with Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid should be the best, most dominant player in the NBA, for sure, without a doubt, right? Maybe not the best, right, but he should be the most dominant in the league, something we haven't seen since Shaq, right? But as you said, you, you expect certain things from somebody taller, right? Even if he's giving you 25 and 12, that's not enough. When you talk about Will and Kareem, they exceeded those. <laughs> those you know what I'm saying? Even that expectation of a tall guy, they exceeded those to an end to where nobody can even get close to it anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like that type of that type of career to where I, I like. I think now it shouldn't even be a unanimous. Just MJ, the greatest of all time. Right. Again, when you when you exceed expectations like they did, almost like in the modern era, like LeBron. We mm-hmm. take everything he does for granted. For sure. We take sure. everything he does for granted. For sure. You know, uh, and so we have to take those moments that, you know, these guys were playing and say they can easily be considered the GOAT. Yeah, absolutely, man. But, you know, I, I do know where the next argument comes because, as I said, I, we, it's Bridging the Gap podcast, 20-year age difference in things. You know, it's the conversations that happen in my and my uh, group chats, and you know, when I'm hanging with my guys, and I know you guys don't hear, but we've said it before. We'll put those numbers up. Bill Russell did those numbers with his rings. They did all those things because they was playing against old white guys who were plumbers by day. Right? They 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 weren't athletes. They weren't any good. You only really paid played ten games anyway. And everybody that you played against was either a waiter at the part. What they used to call them a parlor back there, <laughs> a, a parlor where you used to get a milkshake and some fries, or they were a plumber or a mechanic or whatever else. That people need to stop with that. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because the guys who were dominant back then, not only. Did you know you have a night or two where you play against somebody who wasn't a full time basketball player, but neither were they. You know, guys back then had jobs, guys 
didn't have the same luxuries as, as they do now. And it was a it was a level playing field. So depending on if you had a rough day at work, you might have a rough day on the court. Yeah. And you know, and you add on the fact that you're fighting racial injustices, because we all know that the racial tensions were higher back then, where you could be Will Chamberlain and you could be the best basketball player in the world, but you can't eat in certain restaurants. You gotta get your stuff in the back. So how does that play on your psyche? How does that play on your overall energy level? And so for these guys to come out, work jobs, deal with the social injustice and the lack of pay considering what they brought to the game, what they did was incredible. Yeah. There's guys today who are all-stars that might fold under that pressure. You said something to me before about how um, if – Say I'm Wilt and I'm coming to Boston to play the Celtics, but that night before the game, I'm at Bill Russell's house eating dinner. Right, because you couldn't eat right. in the hotel restaurant with your team. Right. So the, the African-American players had to host the visiting team's African-American players for dinner. Yeah. And so you guys might, for 48 minutes, you're trying to kill each other, but beforehand you guys are breaking bread together. Yeah. So that's yeah. tough. That's tough. And like we said, you can't separate business from from personal life. Like those things always trickle in and, you know, they become part of the thing. So that's also interesting fact. And then when I do think about it, when we sit and we talk about people having jobs and playing basketball at the same time, you know, we kind of disregard that hustle of some people back home who play in semi-pros, who play, uh, who trying to fight for a job to go overseas to where they're playing in a little, you know, ABA league or, or some startup league to where they're working a nine to five. They're working some type of job to get them by during the day, but they still come play at a high level. Right. So I, I know one of my better, my best friends before he got his opportunity to go play overseas and for a couple of years, he worked, he worked during the day or he worked at night. And when he wasn't working, he was playing in ABA League. You know, of, of course, that's not the NBA or the past of any of those other different things. But records have shown that you can work the way you need to during the day and still play at a high level of basketball when it's time for you to suit up the shoes. So it, it does sound crazy. when you, It does look crazy when you see those pictures of Wilt and all those guys playing against those older white guys that look like uh, they sell insurance. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I bet you give 100. But like I said, you know, when people are, you got, Coach, you got them too. Friends who were, while they were fighting for jobs and trying to get places, they had to stay at home and work. And then at night they played in that ABA game. Right. Or whatever it was. Yeah, I've had to do that before, you know, a couple of years, whatever, when you're in between jobs. And it's, it's, it's difficult, you know, when people talk about the grind, that's a grind. Yeah. You know, uh, we 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 give too we give too much leeway for guys nowadays who make six seven million dollars a year. And even though you're not in the starting rotation, you're still a professional basketball player. And the amenities that you have to keep your game tight and everything, you know, there's no excuse nowadays. Right. No excuse. And you know, let me piggyback a little bit on when you were talking about Wilton, those guys having to to play so-called plumbers and things like that. 
and people saying that they didn't play against the top competition. Well, the league was smaller then. So as opposed to playing somebody only two, three times a year, you might play that Celtics team or that Oscar Robinson team or, or whoever, you might play them 15, 16 times. So the more you play somebody who's great as well, that's a tougher game to play. Yes. And you begin to know each other's tendencies. So for those of you that out there thinking that it was just easy, it wasn't. They just happened to be ahead of their time. Yeah. And, and when you think about it, um, like in college or high school or whatever, when you have to play a team four times, it's tough. Right. You play them two times because of the conference stuff and you might got to play them two times on the way to something else. And those third and fourth times, whatever coach is drawing up as far as the game plan, don't really matter no more because <laughs> you guys are familiar with each other. And coaches just tell them it's how bad you want it. Now, if I'm playing against you play against Will 15 times and you know what Will's going to do 15 times because you played him 15 times and he still gives you 50. That's just different. And to an extent, right, if it's only 15 teams, it's a smaller pool of players. Right. So those who are getting picked outside of, you know, the racial differences and things like that, it's a cream of the crop. And let's not forget, no three-pointers. Word. That's Man, that's different. Yeah. That's big-time different. And if you've ever – I think I scored like 36 one time in college or something else. And I've had a couple of games where I teased the line between like 29, 30 something, something like that. But those games, to do that daily on a nightly, like on a nightly basis, like for you to average 50 points in a season. To go along with 25 rebounds. 25 rebounds. Like that's an average. That's like on your worst night. On your worst night, you're going to do that and shooting a high percentage. Yeah. Like those type of things, that's, that's, that's part of the reason why I don't believe any of it. <laughs> you like, you that 100-point picture that they put up, like, I don't believe that. There's <laughs> like, no way. The biggest myth in the world. Like, I feel like people should be paying more attention to that. Like, I need the NBA. I need ESPN. I need somebody to do something, to do more research. Will deserves more. We deserve more because I got I got questions that need answers. Because <laughs> I'm like, man, like you know, sometimes just war- waking up and scoring that twenty points, twenty five points, thirty points, or whatever, that can be taxing on the body. And that's in 2020 or whatever, where you don't in 1950 or whatever he was doing it. You don't have the extra physical therapist stuff and they still telling you for a headache you bang your head with a hammer (laughs) this is something that people don't even think of right now think of traveling from one city to the next in the dead of winter and there is no first class you're you're on a train you're on a bus something like that and there is no there's no spacious travel buses like there are now you're just on a regular bus man Eating whatever, eating what, eating whatever. Yeah, y'all, y'all still drinking milk with your dinner. <laughs> like, uh, it's like, like it's just. Different. Well, those guys probably had a little something in that milk. Yeah, they would, uh, yeah, that, that was, that's so, crazy to think about. Yeah, and you know, it's and it's not so easy to score thirty as some people may think because no matter who your opponent is, just think the team is geared to stop you. Right. So if somebody's constantly 
pulling on you, grabbing on you, and just giving up fouls to slow you down, you know, night in, night out, that wears you down. And, and when you think about it, like if you've really been in the gym, in an open gym, and somebody that walked in the gym that's a, that you think may be a plumber or that you think may be a mechanic or something else and not really a hooper, when they play, they foul you. They hacking you. You're going to feel it that next day, right? So if you got to play against that your whole career and they still got a little game, man, that's interesting, though. But but like I said, um, that's some stuff that I feel like we need some answers to, man. I don't know. Bron and the Players Tribune and then Katie got his own little media thing now. Like, one of y'all go dig up the dirt. Yeah. Somebody go figure it out because Will is crazy. <laughs> like, I don't, that's, it just doesn't make any sense. He put up the most numbers I've ever heard on and off the yeah. court. <laughs> and, and, you know, but just this, there's so many other myths for him being how strong he was with the bench press. You know, being Man. being a volleyball player. Track star. Track star. I mean, yeah. so it's, it's He's a lot. Philly, right? Yep. Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia. That's tough, yeah. yeah. Holy Teddy Pendergrass. Dr. J. Yeah, we're going to get into the music segment too soon. Soon, soon enough. Because I think that's something uh, people need to hear. Coaches' terrible music taste. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the argument we always yeah. have. Anybody's my age, they'll they're they'll holler in and say, "Yeah, I feel you, coach." Yeah, it <laughs> don't phone calls, man. You're not Donnie Simpson. <laughs> Ethan, work on that, man. We got to do something for the old guys. All right, yeah, nah, we can't trust Ethan. Yeah, you're right. Coach. Not yet. Not yeah. yet. Not yet. He's he's still on probation, man. <laughs> we got some time. But he's been getting dope with the animation stuff, though. You know, he had a little one eye flickering on one eye things. Let's see how we go. I with will that. admit that couple of my old heads, it kind of made them nervous. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. They're like, what's going on? Man, the feds watching us. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's our second eye right there. <laughs> we got a third eye we get into. But, um, you know, that's. It's the first of our holiday pack. You know, we got another one coming for you guys. Um, first of all, let me say thank you. You know, there's not we're not doing a whole lot of like marketing, advertising, anything at the moment. We just we just got a lot that we want to get off our chest. And um, this has kind of been therapeutic, but we do see the value in this, and we do see how far it can go, and it will go. So. As we go forward, we have a lot of dope things that we come that will be coming in for 2021. Um, but this is episode 10, Holiday Pack 1. Um, thank you guys for listening and all that good stuff. Before we wrap up, OG, what you what you got go what you got for us? This is one of your uh this is the second to last statement you get to make before 2021. Before 2021. Just whatever your grind is, whatever it's, it's a part-time job, whether it's college, um, it's working on your relationship, working on your friendship, whatever it is. If it's something you truly care about, put 110% into it. You know, don't say that you love something, but not work hard for it. And that is something that King, Coach King, Jules the Jeweler, he has been saying to me since I was 14, 15. He told it to my brother, when I graduated high school and then my brother was playing for him and I'm sure he told the two people coming before him. And it's the same thing that we, he tells me every day as we wake up and, and work on building this business together. So that's something that I hear often and I never forget. So everybody out there, take heed to those that are listening. Um, for me, 
I think, and this is always an interesting place when we get to these wrap ups. <laughs> it's like some Socrates, like roomy, <laughs> like, you know, some profound stuff that's that's gonna come to it. Um but I'll say, you know, creeping up on a new year, new time, um, an undefined future, so to speak, right? Um, and it may scare a lot of people, but you know, comfortable uncomfortable situations create new paths. Paths that you didn't know were available, paths that you hadn't even thought of, right? So so give your time, give yourself some space to relax a little bit, put some faith in the fact that you've been in uncomfortable situations before. Some of you have been in places with less to work with, right? With with less knowledge, where there's less knowledge, less money, less support, there's less anything. So now we're heading into an age where it's undefined, but really the ball is in our court, you know? So take these next couple of weeks as we wind down the year to enjoy it and think about what could be. Because now really, you know, there's absolutely nothing you can't do. We've seen everything this year happen that was like, what? Did that really happen? You know, take that as a sign to be like, you know, go ahead. Whatever your wildest dream is. Of course, be responsible. You know, don't just wake up and be like, I'm quitting the job. You know, I'm just going to go out here and I'm going to be a, a, um, yeah, a, a flash, a fly. What is it, a fly fisherman? <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, take it through. You know, sit it through. Everything needs a some type of preparation. Be visionary, but you got it. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. It's all love here. Uh, keep going as we bridge the gap. You guys keep following.